And we're live. Hi, everyone. I'm honored to have Don Lester and David Parker on the show, the authors of the incredible book entitled What Really Makes You Ill? Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease is Wrong. Don and David are here to help us unlearn and unindoctrinate ourselves by exposing the fraud and corruption played on the global public by Big Pharma and the medical establishment and its global minions who willingly sell lies and bury and obfuscate truth. Today, on top of learning why everything we've been taught about disease is wrong, we will learn that germs, bacteria, and viruses do not cause disease or illnesses, and we will learn what actually does. So without ado, I welcome Dawn Lester and David Parker. Thanks for being here. Okay. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, guys. <laughs> It's great to, to see you all together. So, uh, yeah, let's. Uh, I'm looking forward to a really good chat for us all and see if we can bring out some things that's going to help the listeners, you know, maybe some stuff they've not heard. Um, but even some of the stuff that they may have already heard, it's uh, always good to repeat it and uh, uh, so we can get the, the message over nice and firmly to everyone. Yeah, so your book is incredible. It took you 10 years to write it. I mean, I'd like to get into what sort of got you on your path and your journey, but also how everything from the Black Death to the Spanish flu of 1918 to the mad cow's disease to polio to maybe, you know, measles to what's going on now is not caused by the germ theory or something you catch or a virus that's causing the disease. It's something else. And, you know. So can we ease into what brought you to write this book and, and how you got into it and how really the germ theory is not what we've been told? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, for those who don't know us, uh, I'll just give a, a very potted version because uh, what really got us into it, we're, <laughs> we're actually writing uh, another couple of books which uh, um, were written under our pen name at the time, which was NOR, stood for the nature of reality, because the first book that we wrote was about the nature of reality. So it was a sort of physics and philosophy, really, as to what the true nature of reality was, is, uh, why we're all here, uh, is there a purpose to life, what happens to us when we die, you know, little questions, but um, with uh, requiring big answers. But uh, it was during the course of writing that very first book and this is, I'm going back now 15, 17 years probably, um, that we came across one in the chapter, we needed to write something about health as part of the nature of reality and uh, viruses in particular. And up until that time, uh, we had the same upbringing, the same education as everyone else and had the same beliefs. You know, we believed that the medical establishment was based on science and that what they said was true that the germ theory, uh, you know, most diseases were caused by one germ or another, either bacteria or viruses, um, and vaccinations were good for you, you know, and prevented you getting diseases. That's what we were brought up right from school. And so we believe the same thing as the majority of the world still believe. But as we started to look into uh, viruses, we realised there was um, a lot of strange things coming up and it just so happened that the very first disease so-called disease we looked at was HIV the AIDS uh, so we're going back to the 80s with that and um, you know up until that time of looking at it um, we didn't realize still that there was any problems we thought yes there was this uh, deadly new virus around and uh, it was as we were told by the media and the medical establishment and the governments it was going to kill millions um, it was going to spread right across the world 
and um yeah we've we've heard this one recently haven't we it's uh, ringing bells um and uh, with the age thing we were then told that it didn't matter whether you're homosexual or heterosexual you know everyone was going to be susceptible to it and it was going to kill tens of millions you know so real scary stuff you know the media and the television were putting advertisements on of you know masses of tombstones and oh, it, was, it was dreadful you know real fear-mongering so yeah We've seen we've seen all this before, and so and and here we are going through it again. Um, but at that time, you know, it was scary stuff. So we we looked into it, and it didn't take too long to realise that there was a big controversy. You know, two schools of thought: one which said there was a virus, which was the mainstream, and it was something new, and another, some more dissenting voices, uh, such as like uh, Dr. Peter or Professor Peter Duisberg and and others and Carrie Mullis actually joined in the fray and, and others who were saying, no, there's no virus. The, the, we, we can't find it. We, we can't see any technical papers to show it. So without me spending too much time on it, because it, we do write about this in the book, we looked into it very deeply and realized that, um, yeah, there was no proof, scientific proof of any virus that was causing this new so-called pandemic. And in fact, there was no pandemic. Yes, people were getting ill and people were dying, but they weren't from any germ. They were, it was quite easy to see that in where it started in this small group of homosexual men in San Francisco, um, it was due to their lifestyle, not because of their homosexuality. It was due to their high recreational drug use, which was uh, poppers, um, which was very toxic uh, to the body and was making them ill. <clears throat> And so they were going to their doctors. They were then getting high dose uh, antibiotics, which was making them even worse. And uh, the doctors thought they were dealing with some new disease. And in their ignorance, I uh, started throwing all sorts of different drugs at them, like they've been doing with the COVID stuff. Uh, and one of those drugs was uh, AZT, which was um, a chemotherapy drug, which had been left on the shelves, if you like, for some years, um, but also very toxic. And as we found out talking to doctors, uh, some German doctors, um, everyone that was given that particular dose of AZT died. Everyone. It was such a high dose of a very toxic drug and they all died. Um, but of course, that was kept quiet because everyone who died, it was just easy to blame it on their dying of AIDS, much like now with COVID. So, so lots of parallels between these two uh, scams. So, as I say, we looked into it, we talked to lots of doctors, we went to meetings, we talked to supposedly HIV positive people, we did, because it, this was the first big disease that we looked at, and we realised the more we looked into it, there was no science behind it whatsoever, and uh, it was just a um, a lie, basically, it, it was a lie, which was jumped on them by certain unscrupulous uh, people, doctors, and uh, certainly the pharmaceutical company, who are still making billions out of it and have continued to do so ever since uh, that first was brought on the scene. So that was the first one. And Dawn and I said to one another, well, blimey, you know, if they've been so wrong about this, what else are they wrong about? And that was really our trip down the rabbit hole, you know. So we started to look at every disease. We took nothing for granted. Uh, we realized that it didn't matter what doctors or the medical establishment generally or the pharmaceutical companies or the government, it didn't matter what they were saying, we took nothing for granted. 
and uh, we looked for ourselves. We looked for the scientific evidence. So we were very much evidence driven. Um, and we could ask the questions that doctors weren't asking, because as we realized, because we looked at doctors training, we realized that they were confined. They were blindsided by their training. They couldn't think outside that box uh, because it college and this is doctors have admitted this to us you know they're told well this bacteria causes that disease this virus causes that disease and this is the treatment and it's almost as simple as that um and they never got to do any experiments themselves they never got to ask the questions well how do you know that bacteria causes that how do you know that virus where's the scientific papers they weren't allowed to do that and they still don't do that more more's the pity. If they did, they'd soon realise that it's all nonsense. But we could ask those questions. We could look for those papers. We could talk to some honest doctors, some who didn't want to be named, much like now. We know a few doctors who uh, speak openly to us but don't want to go public. Um, but we looked we look for the papers and we came across people like uh, Carrie Mullis, who people now have heard a lot about um, as the uh, inventor of the process of PCR. And uh, he was very vocal at the time, saying that uh, his test was not invented to detect a virus. In fact, it's not; it wasn't a diagnostic tool at all. It's just a, an amplification tool for amplifying genetic material. So you have more of it to look at. And yet they totally ignored him then, as now, and still carry on using the PCR test to carry out tests for which it was never designed. And so it naturally comes up with all sorts of false information. But then as now that was convenient to the authorities because they had a particular agenda they wanted to produce what looked like scientific results um and uh, so they were quite happy to keep misusing uh, a process and they're doing exactly the same now and uh, it was probably very convenient for them at least that uh, carrie mullis died a few months before this whole scam was released on the world and uh, people quite rightly, I think, have uh, been. So, are, are you, so you're suspicious. saying, like, regarding HIV, the disease AIDS is not caused by the HIV virus, right? No, Correct, definitely. because there is because there is no HIV virus. And um, in, in this case, is there? If we talk about SARS-CoV-2, one does it exist, and does is this what's causing CV19? Well, what, what we've got and what we found is the whole business of what is a virus and is it a pathogen i.e does it cause bodily harm um is is a, a fiction there is no scientific papers to prove that any of these well we've started to call them particles because what they are is they're just actually cellular or tissue debris very tiny particles much smaller than bacteria can only be seen under an electron microscope uh, and they're just cellular and tissue debris they are not alive they don't meet any of the scientific criteria to be called alive for something to be alive it has to meet certain standards it has to be able to uh, reproduce it has to be able to eat and excrete and have a certain minimum dna and these particles don't have any of those things so from a scientific point of view they are not alive and never have been so all of this how can something that's just a particle and is not alive suddenly be accused of infecting people, causing disease and reproducing in their bodies? 
it, it can't. It's impossible for something that's not alive to do that. And of course, that's why there are no scientific papers that are able to prove that. You know, they cannot meet Cox postulates and they cannot prove that any of these particles uh, for any virus, whether it's measles, and as you may know, that was taken to court in Germany by Dr. Stefan Lanker, and they challenged the medical establishment to try and prove that uh, a virus caused measles. And uh, two court cases happened and uh, he won his case. The whole of the medical establishment uh, could not prove that uh, a particle, a viral particle, was the cause of measles. And, and we found the same thing for every disease, so-called disease, that was attributed to one of these particles. But we also found the same for bacteria too. So we looked at all, all the main diseases, whether they were bacteria, supposedly caused by a bacterium or a virus, and there was no scientific proof. And we went back right from the early days. We went, we looked back sort of 150 years and beyond to the Black Death. We just started to look at anything and everything to see if we could find any proof that what the medical establishment was saying was true. Whether there was any scientific proof, not just hearsay, we wanted to see scientific proof that backed up what they said to see if there was scientific proof that said the germ theory was in actual fact more than a theory that it was a fact. But even today, it's still called the germ theory because it's never been proved. Um, and and that, so David, that was so what then, 10 years was about. Okay, so then the, peop, the obvious question is what's causing disease? And as, as I understand it, it's toxicity of the terrain of the blood in the body the poisoning the, from things we breathe, we eat, that um, is really, it, it reaches a tipping point in our body that has to be released and expelled, and that viruses are produced within our own bodies by us to get rid of poisons, and that the disease is caused by poisoning. Is that, well, would you say that that go. in general is right? Well, the disease we, in the book, uh, we explain because we obviously, as well as finding out what didn't cause disease, we wanted to find or illness. We stopped using the word disease because it's a very loaded term. People, whenever you say disease, they think of somebody catching something, something being transmitted to someone. And we found that was not the case. Uh, there was never any cases where something was transferred between one person and another and made them ill, you know, i.e. infection or contagion. Uh, that's a myth, and we can talk more about that. So um, what we found, and we talk about what we call the four factors in our book, the four factors that make people ill, so all illness. So what we found, to boil it down, is there are not lots of different diseases. There are just uh, conditions, there are symptoms. When people are ill, they have they exhibit certain symptoms, and those symptoms may vary, but that's not because there are different diseases. They're just different symptoms caused by whatever it is that's made the mill. And the four factors are, as we found, it was either, and it's usually a combination of these four things, it's either lack of correct nutrition, uh, excess toxicity, which can be, as you say, something you've breathed in, eaten, drunk uh, through the skin. So, uh, toxicity, EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies, um, and prolonged and excessive emotional stress. Okay, stress, as people know, can be a killer. It's causing a lot of damage at the moment with the way that people are 
being kept in constant fear. So we we found in all cases when we examined why people got ill, that it was always one or more of those four factors that were to blame. Never ever did we find that a germ of some sort was responsible. It was always one of those one or more of those wow. four factors. Okay, okay, that's fantastic. Can I just say when you said the body produces viruses, um, that these particles that are called viruses have never, uh, and this I'm actually quoting from something that Stefan Lanker uh, put in one of his um, articles. Most of it's in German, but some has been translated into English. And he actually said, to this day, no virus has been seen in or isolated from humans or their fluids. So what are called viruses are on nothing that's actually within a, a human body these are only artifacts that they only ever see in their experiments so when they have the i mean they they draw tissue samples from people so you know where they're from um you know mucus or something like that that then gets put into a petri dish with a whole load of other substances toxic materials antibiotics bovine fetal serum all those sorts of things these are then uh, subjected to all kinds of procedures and processes. And it's only as a result of those processes that they find these uh, and they centrifuge them and, and they find these as particles at, at certain levels that they then call um, viruses because they look at them under the electron microscope and they see these little dots. But these are only ever part of the um, experimental processes. They're never... Um, they've never been isolated from a human and uh, purified so that they can actually see just this so-called particle called a virus. So really, it, whatever, you know, sort of the idea that the body is producing viruses um, it is, is sort of misleading because they aren't things that has, have ever been seen and isolated except within these experiments. So it's really better for people to stop using this term virus to do it because it's just really confusing the whole issue um because there are no isolated pass particles i mean they they call and them that's pieces why we try to get people to in a protein coat that's what they refer to them as but they've never actually seen them in isolation um it's it's only ever part of these experiments that these particles are then viewed under the electron microscope and assumed to be. And that's the, the problem that goes right back to the 1954 papers um, that were trying to uh, demonstrate that measles is caused by a virus. Um, but what they were doing was just um, these particular experiments that were never isolated, but there was no proof even in those papers. And that's why Stefan Lanker won his court case in Germany, because the papers were shown not to actually prove. And in fact, um, even the paper's authors said that, uh, you know, the conclusions were not that they had found and isolated a measles virus and proved it. They said it could be caused by all kinds of other uh, pathogenic agents, either in from the monkey kidney tissue uh, that they were using in the experiment, so nothing to do with the human, what was found in the human body, uh, or, or other unknown factors. So again, th that's the basis on which the whole of virology has then um, based its procedures. I mean, that they may have slightly changed them over the years, but they're using the same kind of processes, the same 
um, experiments. And if we just uh, if we just think about it, we just explain briefly what virologists do, um, uh, uh, because uh, I think it's that makes it very easy for people to see just how it's uh, such a mistaken and useless procedure. I mean, you imagine you've got a human body. Uh, these virologists will take a sample, maybe a tissue sample or a blood sample from the human body, okay, and put it into their Petri dish in the laboratory. Now, straight away, that sample is no longer part of a living, fully functioning organism, i.e. the human body. So it's taken out of its chemical environment. It's taken out of its electrical environment. So it's now no longer bears any relationship to where it's come from, the human body. And then, as Dawn has said, then they start adding things to it, you know, stains and fixers and, uh, and, and often antibiotics, so, which is toxic. And then they stick it under an electron microscope, which, if anything wasn't dead, it will be dead because that's why an electron microscope can't look at living things. Um, and then they start to make assumptions about this cocktail that they've got in their Petri dish which now long, no longer bears any resemblance to a living organism. So if you think about it, how can they possibly make any correct assumptions based on what they've got in that dish? Uh, none whatsoever. And that's why a virology is a completely useless uh, pastime and why uh, Dr. Stefan Lanker, who was trained as a virologist, now refuses to be called a virologist. He doesn't want anything to do with the term uh, wow. because he knows it's completely useless it's uh, yeah. it's not a science at all well we're gonna have to start using the word particle then <laughs> yeah um and they're not alive they're pieces of rna and dna i guess and they're not alive but i have a cool. lot of questions on contagion that i'm sure the audience would have but i'm gonna pass it to roy and um if i could if i come around again or if they're not answered i'll get to them then thank you very sure. much okay um i know that with all the information that's in your book it's a fantastic book that you had to make sure it was ring-fenced because you knew you'd be attacked from e every single corrupt industry. And, like, that is one thing, but the other is with people at the moment giving misinformation. So, first of all, you have the pharmaceutical, like Pfizer saying, it's a 90% success rate. How can they prove that? And then you've got other people, like, unfortunately, Dolores Cattle came out the other day saying that if you're over 70, uh, within two years, you're going to be dead. And if you're 35 plus you've got five to ten years i mean that's the same thing she's pulling that out of the sky but i mean that must be frustrating for you to listen to that kind of thing well yes i mean and very recently dawn and i because of all this nonsense that was coming out uh we we did a another little uh video interview with uh billy watson a scottish chap and uh because as well as uh dolores carhill putting nonsense out that we we've got this other guy uh vanden bosch coming out so we we put a <laughs> we put a little uh, video together called debunking a load of old bosch uh, but spelt it with his name of course um because they were coming up with these doomsday scenarios again not based on any science whatsoever um and you can see his angle this just so if people don't know the background of this vanden bosch i mean he's been in bed with every major vaccine manufacturer in the world you know all of them <laughs> And, uh, and still is involved with them. He's a virologist as well, of course, so he's working with a corrupt procedure anyway. Um, and he's come up with this idea, 
I'll just go through it uh, briefly for people who have not heard what he's got to say. But basically what he's saying is that uh, the present vaccines are actually going to lock people's immune systems in so that they can only uh, cope with the present strain, one strain of this coronavirus. Again, this is all fiction, but this is what he's saying. So it's locking their immune system in so it can only cope with one strain of the coronavirus. So any of these other strains that come along, any of these other mutations, people will not be immune to them. But worse than that, because their immune system has been locked into this one particular coronavirus strain, any other viral attacks that come along, so it could be chickenpox, smallpox, measles, anything you like, and any that they'd like to make up in the future, as I'm sure they will if they're allowed to get away with it, um, that people will be highly susceptible to them and will possibly either become gravely ill or die. And he's been putting this out as a basically a doomsday prophecy. But, of course, he says, um, or hints at, that, uh, of course, he has people... It'll be one of these other vaccine manufacturers that is in bed with who are developing another vaccine, which, of course, will not have this effect and then will be able to give people immunity. So as well as your two doses of uh, the present vaccines, he'll be uh, advising you to have a third dose of his new vaccine. Oh, surprise, surprise. Uh, lots of money for someone down the line if they can scare enough people into doing this. Um what made us particularly angry about this, one is that there is no science to back up anything he says, uh, particularly the fact that, as the government keeps putting out, that there's new strains, new mutations of the virus. Well, just think about what we said earlier. These particles are not living things, and something that's not alive cannot mutate into something else. You know, this is just pure logic as well as science, you know. So everything they're saying is complete nonsense. And even this locking the immune system, as we discuss in our book, um, there is no such thing. The immune system, as the medical establishment puts out, there is no such thing as an immune system. There is no such thing that you can uh, give a vaccination to that will produce antibodies that will then circulate around your system for years to come, just waiting to be attacked by <laughs> a virus. And then these antibodies are supposed to swoop in and gobble up the uh, the virus. Um, never been proved. There's absolutely no science to back up those claims because the body just doesn't work like that. The body has a what we call a health system. Uh, and this is based on the four factors we talked about, particularly nutrition. Um, and it, it gets rid of toxic material as it, on a day-to-day -day basis. And this is the normal process that the body goes through. Sometimes if the toxic assault on the body is too great for the normal uh, systems of sweating, urination, excretion, that sort of thing, if it's too much for it to get rid of quickly, that's when you get these other symptoms uh, start to come into place. Uh, even something like what people call the common cold. That's just a detoxification process of the body when the sort of mucous membranes get employed by the body which also are sort of getting material out of your lungs you know out of your throat and this is why you sort of get the runny nose runny eyes and all the rest of it uh, and if it's really quite severe it may be a much more heavier type of cold which then people call influenza 
but it's just the degree of toxicity the body's trying to deal with. Uh, but these are not illnesses. Well, you feel ill, but they're not diseases that you've caught. The body has been attacked by something, one of the four factors. It's usually a toxin, and we're, we can talk a bit about toxins because we're bombarded with them all the time, and increasingly EMFs as well, which is toxic to the body, of course. Uh, and, and these are the symptoms that the body goes through while it's trying to detox. And given the right circumstances, the body can get rid of these toxins. Obviously, it can be overwhelmed if it's given a very high dose of something very toxic. I'm thinking of things like arsenic or uranium or lead. There's all sorts of things. And in sufficient quantity can overwhelm the body's defenses and kill you, of course. And that's the strength of poisons. Um, but generally, we thankfully don't come into contact with those extremely high levels. So the body will detox. It will go through these processes. And this is what the medical establishment calls diseases. And then, of course, they want to give you uh, their medicines, which are all petrochemical based and which are all toxic. And so they will just exacerbate the uh, symptoms that you've already got. Now, they may, I'm thinking of things like paracetamol, for instance, uh, may sort of uh, mitigate it. You know, if you've got a really thumping headache or something, uh, but it's still a toxic material you've got. And all it's not got rid of the problem. It's just got rid of the pain or it's just numbed it. And, and that's really the best that the medical establishment can do with their lotions and potions they might numb some pain but they never cure anything and they don't they even admit that they're not curing anything mm. uh, but what they don't admit is that they're adding to your toxic burden because literally all of the stuff that they will give you is is toxic in some way or other and that's why uh, they always have these inserts <clears throat> which people never read which show you what as they call them side effects and what we call effects <laughs> that their lotions and potions will will give you um i actually want to just discuss the side effects because i remember i think it was on Panera magazine like you know we know one pfizer drug the recent thing that they're giving people is making people stiff but in ireland i don't know was it an irish thing it used to be called the pfizer riser for viagra and the the, <laughs> the paper for it had two pages of side effects and i was thinking who would actually want that and just today, I've seen that you can now get it without a prescription. And it's like, this is scary. Because, I mean, there's amazing, like, you, you can talk about the side effects, you know, because if you look at that, I can buy that online. You know, that's, that is so dangerous. Well, I mean, you're, you're, talking, about, you're talking about Pfizer there. And I, I sort of recommended to people to go and have a look on the FDA's website federal drug administration's website where they discuss the so-called side effects of the pfizer vaccine for covid and uh, there's about at least a dozen rather nasty side effects as they call them but one of those uh, side effects is death <laughs> you know you think well that's the only side effect you need to know about really if it's going to possibly kill you I, what would why the hell would you want to take it but they've actually put that up there and uh, it just makes you wonder why, I mean, obviously, as we know, the vaccine manufacturers have already been given legal immunity to prosecution from any, any of the damage they do. Um, but I think people need to just uh, have a think about what the insurance companies, you know, people may have life insurances or uh, which covers them, their loved ones for death or injury. 
uh, you can bet your life, knowing what insurance companies are, they're also going to look at those uh, so-called side effects and they're going to wriggle out of paying out any uh, compensation to people who are claiming on their life insurance if they're either they or their loved ones become seriously ill or die having taken one of these vaccines. Because what they'll say is it was all laid out on the paperwork and you voluntarily took the vaccine. So that's your fault and we're not going to pay out. You can see what's going to happen. Um, so I, I would advise people to at least have a look at your insurance policy and see whether the insurers are going to cover you for adverse effects from any of these vaccines. And I think the other thing is with like, you know, people feel like, oh, it's FDA approved. And one thing is the FDA is funded by the pharmaceutical industry. And two, the reports that they get is from the corrupt pharmaceutical companies, the trials and the lab tests and everything. So they're basing their information on what they've been given because they can't, you know, repeat the whole process. And that yeah. is. Yeah, the FDA and mm. these authorities don't actually conduct the tests themselves they, they don't repeat the tests they just approve them on like you say on various sort of criteria that they've chosen but they certainly don't repeat the uh, the tests they certainly don't um find out uh, anywhere near as much information as people get the impression oh well you know it's fda approved or it's um you know whatever whatever other authority approved um but that approval as you say is, is just something that they look at the uh, information that have been that's been given to them by the vaccine or the pharmaceutical industry and just make an assessment also, of if people well. look carefully if people look carefully at uh, those approval notices given out by the fda um they will see that it's it's not actually fully approved, these vaccines. It's, it comes under the order of uh, conditional approval, okay, which is not full approval. And this these vaccines have been, have been released on conditional approval and they are under, and this is admitted by uh, Pfizer and uh, AstraZeneca, they're on at least another two years approval, okay, before they could become fully approved and yet the governments are putting it out as if these things are fully tested and fully approved and they're not it's basically still in a clinical trial so they're using people as guinea pigs worldwide and people need to be made aware of this and the people administering these vaccinations need to be aware of what they're doing because sometime in the not too distant future they're going to be held legally responsible for administering these vaccines which are causing harm and they have not been fully informing people that they are taking part in a clinical trial. Because when you're in a clinical trial like this, which is what it is legally, they should inform the people that they're giving it to that they're in a clinical trial and they should verbally inform them of all the possible adverse effects that that vaccine can give them. OK, now none of that's happening and so the people who are administering these vaccines are leaving themselves legally liable for prosecution. So any of the people listening who are giving vaccinations need to really have a good think about that. They could be in very serious trouble very soon. No, definitely. And before I pass over to one of the others there, like we're, we're in crazy times at the moment. So there's a lot of people going through bankruptcy, you know, they're losing their jobs and, or else they're kind of stuck in a block. They're not allowed out and there could be lots of families. So there's a very high depression rate. And unfortunately, these doctors, they throw out uh, antidepressants like they're smarties. And 
it, it does the opposite. So you might just have a quick, uh, you know, talk on that, the antidepressants. Well, certainly. I mean, again, we, we discuss them at some length in our book and we quote some uh, psychiatrists and doctors. Um, uh, I think if I can't remember his name, Peter, Peter, Bregin. you'll remember it, Dawn. Lisa, Peter, Bregin. Peter Bregin, that's it. Dr. Peter Bregin. I know Dawn will always remember the names, even if I forget them. Uh, yeah, Dr. Peter Bregin's a very well-known psychiatrist in America, and uh, he's very much against psychiatric drugs of any sort. You know, he's old school. I mean, but remember that uh, to be a psychiatrist, you already have to be a fully qualified doctor. So he's an MD and a psychiatrist, so a very well qualified man, written quite a number of books and shows the dangers of uh, the psychiatric drugs, which are all uh, very toxic. And none of them are effective apart from numbing people's brains. They don't cure anything. And uh, in the majority of cases, they're very addictive. And when you look at the, again, we're looking at side effects of these uh, uh, psychotropic drugs. On the paperwork which comes with them, uh, you'll be astonished to see that the so-called side effects are the same as or worse than the condition they're being given to supposedly help. Uh, so it's a complete nonsense. And uh, Dr. Peter Bregin points that out. And another doctor that uh, who's also whose name I can't remember, but is in the book, um, who uh, talks about the trials that were done for various numbers of the antidepressants. And they found that the placebo pills in the blind trials that were given, placebo pill being just a sugar pill, but of course the people that being, that's been, it's been administered to aren't aware of that. And they found that they had almost as good a effect with the sugar pill as they did with the so-called actually antidepressant. So as that doctor concluded, the antidepressants were completely worthless, but the downside of the antidepressants is they had quite drastic side effects, which, of course, the sugar pill didn't. So you'd probably be much better having a Smartie or some chocolate uh, than you would taking any of those uh, so-called antidepressants. Um, so, yes, the, we, we do write quite a bit about that. And uh, um, I would advise people not to get involved in those types of drugs at all. The, the old school, which Dr. Peter Bregin comes from, you know, they used to call a psychiatry the, the talking cure because that's what they did. They talked to the people uh, who'd got the emotional problems and they tried to get to the root of it and to try and sort it out without administering drugs, you know. So uh, and usually the good ones were successful in doing that um, rather than just giving them some mind numbing drug that just sort of gives them a chemical lobotomy and uh, they just sort of sit at home and become completely worthless but also become addicted so and very often uh, end up committing suicide because <clears throat> again one of the so-called side effects of many of these drugs is uh, suicidal tendencies which do, does develop into suicide also self-harming and these are all known side effects uh, violent tendencies you know some of these uh, school shootings uh, that went off. We had a whole raft of them in America, didn't we? Um, and invariably, the young men that were carrying out those shootings were all on these type of uh, psychotropic drugs, which uh, have these uh, very devastating effects on people. So I've probably said enough about that. No, no, perfect. Thank, thank you very much, David. And I'll pass you on to Chris Rain. Okay.
advice or whichever of the mind, Dawn or David, can answer it. Um, on the actual cancer industry itself, because that's what it is, it's a money-making industry for want of a better uh, term on it. What did you, and I read your book, I know, but for people who haven't listened, maybe who haven't read it, and it's a fantastic book as well, is what did you find actually in the in it itself that is the causation of actual cancer? Because there's a lot of gray areas, a lot of myths that cause causing it. Some people are saying it's genetic, other people are saying it's this and it's that. As we know, the industry, that the pharma, big pharma cartel themselves, they want you to be a patient for life. They want you to be that hamster on the wheel that consistently keeps spinning and spinning day after day, week after week. And I know you've spoken about it as well in various other podcasts and stuff where you say you don't like using the word cure for it. What you can do is actually you know, eliminate um, the cancer itself. So I suppose if you could just open it up in the area as well, I might have another few questions on it, but actually what you found yourself in your research in regarding the cancer and obviously the detrimental effects that when you are in hospital, your only belief is radiotherapy, chemotherapy. And if you can actually go through some of that stuff as well, touching it, what that is actually doing to the body and that the patient doesn't actually realize and actually not just the patient, but some of the doctors and nurses. Yeah. Well, as people know, to, to put it bluntly, I mean, the only answers that the medical establishment give to cancer is, and as people have said, uh, is to cut, burn or poison. That's all they ever offer, cut, burn and poison. Um, so, uh, none of which works, you know, and I, as without going into it too much, because people may have heard it before, my own personal experience over many years with uh, friends and relatives who'd uh, had various cancers, um, and I'm, I've often spoke about six, I'm talking six people here. Unfortunately, I've just lost another relative uh, up north who'd uh, also had cancer, but had gone down the... Uh, pharmaceutical doctor's roots and uh, it's the usual thing it took about two years to kill him um <clears throat> he died a few days ago but uh but this has been my experience you know where i've been able to see for myself what has happened with people and all the ones who followed what the medical establishment wanted to do uh all died you know they didn't save any of them so all of this Oh, we're having a much better success rate, you know, 50% success rate now. We're much better at it. Well, they, they killed all of my friends and relatives, every single one of them. But as I've often said about from, except from one relative uh, lady who uh, refused to have anything to do with them. And, uh, you know, over a period of about two years, her cancer went away and she lived a full and happy life. So <clears throat> that, that sort of illustrated it for me that, uh, the medical establishment has nothing to offer except death when it comes to treatment of cancer. Uh, and there are much more satisfactory ways to deal with it. You know, the fact of people getting uh, so-called cancer, it's again, it's a body process of being <clears throat> poisoned in some way. You know, again, we're coming back to the four factors uh, where the body has not been able to uh, get rid of it because it's, it's probably a constant bombardment of whatever the toxin is and the body if it, if it turns into a growth of some sort um the the body is trying to encapsulate we'll use that word encapsulate the toxins in what would be then recognized as a growth of some sort now as i've said to people if depending on if you have and i'll say the misfortune to go to the doctor and they depending on what stage they see this growth and take a biopsy if the body is in the process of encapsulating the toxins, so it's in the growing stage while it's getting it encapsulated, and if they take a biopsy at that time, they'll tell you you've got a malignant growth. Okay, But if 
it's at the stage where the body's which it would do, is starting to disintegrate the growth. It's encapsulated, it's dealing with it, and it's breaking it down, and it will eventually pass it out of the body. If that's the stage when the doctor sees it and takes a biopsy, they'll say it's benign because the body's getting rid of it. Um, <clears throat> so that that's just a shorthand. But it, it's always a, an extreme case of... Uh, Disease of the body. It's a, an extreme case of one of the four, one or more of the four factors poisoning or making the body ill over a long period. I mean, cancerous conditions like that don't just occur overnight or within a couple of weeks. It's uh, something that's happened and not been rectified in either a correction to diet, a, cor a correction to environment, or something like that, a correction to an emotional state. Um, any of those. Uh, the four factors um, that if they're not corrected over a long period of time is when uh, a so-called cancerous condition occurs. But <clears throat> a cancerous condition is no different to any other uh, illness that uh, might affect the body. It's when a, a, a bodily condition has not been attended to, recognized and a, a rectification put in process. Uh, and if you do that, then things, whether it's cancer or anything else, will the body will rectify itself <clears throat> and return to full health, homeostasis, because that's the body's natural state. And it will always try to do that. Um, and all as we can do, all as we should do, is to help it to do that by taking correct action, uh, which is very simple because it's the four factors you tend to those and and normally nutrition is one of the most important because for the most part people poison themselves every day with just what they eat and drink um so that's one of the most important things to put right and one of the easiest things to put right but it is made more difficult by the fact of uh, the food supplies that we have because um people tend to think about uh, what they eat only in the quantity and whether it's satisfying or not. They don't tend to think very carefully about the quality of the food that they're eating. I mean, Don and I always recommend uh, uh, an organic whole food plant-based diet. Now, I know a lot of people uh, don't think that that's uh, particularly for them, but we can only tell you what we found to work and we can only, you know, from our research and on ourselves. Uh, I mean, we've, we've followed that diet for, well, in my own case, for nearly 50 years. So, uh, and I'm, I'm 71. So I think I'd have found out if it wasn't going to work, I'd have found out a long time <laughs> before now. Um, you know, I'm very healthy. I don't get sick. I don't have colds. I don't have flu. And I certainly don't have any <clears throat> toxic medicines from the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, so uh, we know it works and Dawn, Dawn's the same. Uh, I hate to add that uh, Dawn is somewhat younger than me. Uh, <laughs> but um, there we have it. So, and we know lots of other friends who've uh, been doing it even longer. And of course, you can trace uh, vegetarianism or plant-based diets, whatever you want to call it. You can trace it back as we've done thousands of years. Um, you know, uh, it's not something new. It's not some new fad. The name is quite new. I mean, people... We're only started being called vegetarians, if you like, from about, I think, about the 1930s. Before that, um, they were called Pythagoreans because one of the earliest uh, recorded 
of people that was a vegetarian, certainly, or plant-based diet, was uh, Pythagoras. And everyone knows him. He was a very famous and very clever man. And uh, uh, so they, people were called Pythagoreans. Um, and then the name vegetarian was invented, I say, around the 1930s. And then some 10, 20 years later, uh, veganism uh, got invented as a term. So it's a fairly new term. But it's basically a, a plant-based diet, uh, not eating animal products. Um, so there's there's the health side of it. Uh, it's not a fad thing. It's a genuinely healthy thing. Um, but there's also a humanitarian side to it. Uh, you know, there's no need for the... Um, stress and terror which uh, animals experience uh, going to a slaughterhouse so there's a humanitarian side to it and also an economic side of it you know it's much more economic from a country from a world point of view to grow crops rather than grow crops that then feed animals um you know it's uh, it, it's not economic so there's all sorts of reasons why but the main thing we're talking about now is for the health and uh, as i say throughout history and throughout our own personal experiences, we found that, as I say, the whole food plant-based diet is best. And to eat organic wherever you can, because, and again, it's not a fad thing, um, <clears throat> because of the insecticides, pesticides, chemical fertilizers that are used within the farming industry. Well, obviously, that's not the stuff you want to be ingesting when you eat your plants, because they do retain those things. Um, whereas if you eat organic, uh, you're less likely, I won't say completely, 100%, but you're much less likely to either uh, not have any at all on your food or very, very small amounts that may have drifted in from elsewhere. So you can only do what you can, but uh, we've been quite successful in that. And so we we recommend it from our experience is to look at your diet, also look at what you drink. Um, as we know, even a simple thing like uh, water, <laughs> you know, from where you get out of your taps is full of all sorts of uh, unpleasant things, not least of which is fluoride and chloride um, and all sorts of trace pharmaceutical products because the filtration plants um, are not successful in getting everything out. So you're not getting clean water coming out of your tap. So every time you have a drink, you're adding a little bit more toxins to what you're drinking. So we always recommend that people get themselves either reverse osmosis filter or a uh, a distiller of some kind, a desktop distiller, they're not too expensive, um, so that at least they can drink and cook in clean water, you know, so very important. Um, obviously, all of the fizzy drinks and things, uh, many of them, if not all, have got aspartame in, which is extremely toxic. It is actually a neurotoxin and uh, should be avoided at all costs. Um, so again, people just need to be much more careful about what they eat, drink. We have problems with what we breathe. Obviously, the air we breathe is not clean. <clears throat> we can only do so much when you're walking about. I certainly don't recommend people wear masks, of course. Um, <clears throat> quite unnecessary and quite unhealthy. Um, but, the, you know, there are many things that you can do, none of which are expensive, and all of which will ensure you live a long and healthy life. Uh, so, uh, and without the aid of and particularly without the aid of anything pharmaceutical, uh, that you definitely do not need. And with the likes of uh, Elon Musk, obviously, and Gates and all that, I know you're coming back to the four factors, and they're one of many. How much do you think the actual radiation, i.e. 5G rolling out to 6G, is obviously going to have a huge impact on the actual the body, the nervous system, everything involved in it itself? And obviously what I've seen lately as well was um, these um, the ethylene oxide, I believe it's called, 
on the back of these uh, erection on the swamps that they're sticking actually up your nose into the blood-brain barrier. There's an awful lot of talk and the last couple of months of the blood-brain barrier itself. How much more is that just going to like seriously amplify all the actual um, so the alleged cancer deaths that's going to be coming obviously in the future besides obviously the toxic um, jab itself that is going to send some serious damage into the body um, and it already has. But how percentage or how much could you say roughly radiation wise because that's becoming more and more and we haven't even the rollout of the 5g obviously has been going on during the lockdown because it was you know deemed as a essential of course and on top of that then you have um like where is it kind of how would i phrase it in a sense that um uh, what can you kind of do i suppose in other words as well to, to kind of combat it? because there's loads of people coming up with different kind of ideas and People that have phones, you can put a cover on, you can listen to that. Other people say, obviously, just do away with the smartphone if you're number one, get rid of that anyway. But how it's because it's becoming more harder and harder to actually protect you from it, i.e., even if you go outside your own home, the environment itself. I mean, what kind of a, what kind of a world this was? Are we looking in the, not the long term, but the very short future itself, away from the actual jab, but just the radiation factor and you know, the EMFs, the, the 5G, the 60, all that itself. How much does that play on things? Well, there's yeah, nothing of actually knowing the sort of percentage, um, but the the thing is that, uh, as, as David was said before, you know there are there are so many different factors. Um, but it, it, you know, without trying to scare people, that obviously you know it, it's building up and becoming worse, and you know the environmental degradation and everything that's being put out into the environment that's harmful. That's why it's more important than ever to pay attention to. Um, as much as you can to improving nutritional intake and reducing your um, toxic uh, exposures to toxins of, of any kind. You know, it, it's not about scaremongering, but the the more you can reduce your exposures and the more you can, well, and certainly with the stress as well and the fear that's going on around at the moment, that it's this is all, as you say, kind of building up and, and creating, uh, you know, a, a, a huge potential sort of pandemic of illness later on i mean that that'll be the real pandemic when people are suffering from the effects of of everything that's happening <clears throat> um but as we say kind of you can't solve problems without addressing the causes and so that's why you have to look at the causes of illness and to try and i mean you cannot avoid all of them uh, you know even if you put yourself away in a you know sort of concrete box or something you, you know you need to be connected to the earth as well and all the sort of grounding those kinds of things so that's why it's important to try and address and minimize your exposures to all the things that that are harmful to increase your nutritional intake so that you can help your body strengthen itself as much as possible also protect your mind against these incredible fear and, and guilt trips that they're putting out on people at the moment to say no there is nothing going around there is nothing that's going to attack us all there's nothing to be scared of I mean obviously there there are all the other economic factors and everything else that they're destroying businesses um, but to stop being scared of any so-called virus will make people stronger to be able to sort of try and find ways to counteract the economic damage that's going on. Um, so it's really to try and if I... minimize things that that don't um, that you don't have to be exposed to, and that means looking at everything that you know you you are potentially exposed to, not just uh, outside but in the home as well. You know, just the cleaning products, those sorts of things that you use. Just really, really making more of an effort now. 
um, than ever before because that'll help people kind of be more resilient to then you know hang on to the health that they've got and and even if they can't improve it but to at least you know uh, strengthen their own bodies it's not the immune system but strengthen your body to then be able to counteract your exposures to to the toxins you may be exposed to but yeah I, I know what Dave was about to talk about so I'll let him talk about the whole sort of 5g and emfs yeah um yeah i just reached over to get a little meter which i'll show you in a minute it's one that i use um because here emfs yeah, electromagnetic frequencies uh you can only make, we can't get rid of them um because they're all around us you know we we're exposed to them now just doing this um but you can modify what you do and how you do it for instance with your mobile phone you know you can always use it hands-free that never put it to your head um a lot of people who eventually go down with brain tumors is caused by excessive use of their mobile phone. Now, I've got it, and I, <laughs> I'll just hold this meter up. I don't know whether you can see it, <clears throat> but that tri-field meter, you can buy these on Amazon, okay? Um, it'll measure, it'll give you all the measurements you want um, to be able to scan around your house, scan around your products, uh, there's a little form in a little pamphlet inside it which tells you what regions you ought to get. I mean, I'm looking at this now, holding it near my computer here, my laptop. Now, <clears throat> I've got it on the electrical, which is measuring electrical output, electrical frequencies, because you can measure magnetic, electrical and radio frequencies with this meter, all of which are different things that you need to look at. And just looking at the electrical frequencies that I'm picking up now, normally what they would call a safe level is about 50 volts per meter. Don't worry too much about what volts per meter are. But <clears throat> as I'm close to my laptop, I've just said a safe level should be a maximum of 50 volts per meter. I'm getting 240 volts per meter just from my laptop with it just being a, a foot away from me. Okay. The further away I move from it, it soon drops off. But of course, when you're using your computer, you're right on top of it. So you're exposing yourself to quite high electrical radiation. Um, and that's just the electrical side of it. Then there's mechanic, uh, there's the magnetic and radio frequencies. But these are very useful little meters, very easy to use because there's just the one dial, very light, just a set of batteries in it. Um, so for anyone who wants to scan around the house, you know, you can scan around your products because you, you'll see certain things, say like the router of your Wi-Fi system, you can soon find out where its most um, energetic range is, okay? And then you can make sure you sit outside of it or that uh, because they go, don't forget, it goes all through the floors of your house. So you want to make sure that your bed isn't right over the top of where your router is. But this will help you to be able to detect where the best positions are. So you may, it may be just a position uh, of, well, I'll move it because this is where I normally sit on my settee. And rather than having the router somewhere close to me, I can move it to the other corner of the room. I still got my Wi-Fi, but I'm now not sitting in the most powerful range of its frequencies. And, and it's things like that. Um, wiring, the wiring in your house all gives off stuff. So you may need, want to move your chairs around a little bit. This at least gives you a chance to be able to see where these uh, EMFs are coming from. And then you can either move them or move you within your house or even your neighbor 
you know, I did this uh, over at Dawn's house the other other day um, to be able to see by looking through the wall, if you like, to the attached house next door. We could, we could tell where she'd got her router in her house. And so you can make sure that that's not where your chair is, you know, so that uh, it's not going to affect you because you wouldn't know otherwise, would you? You know, you'd be sitting there quite blissfully thinking I've moved everything out of the way in my house and your next door neighbours bombarding you with EMFs from from their uh, Wi-Fi system, just because where you sat. So useful little thing. And uh, so I'd recommend it for anyone uh, to uh, do those sorts of checks in the house um, and your, your relatives. Right. Lost a few people. All right, they're coming back. EMFs, as regards what they do, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the body is an electrical system as well as a chemical system. And it's a very subtle electrical system. So these, as I've just demonstrated, these very powerful electromagnetic frequencies that can be emitted by electrical equipment, even something that we use every day, like our laptop or something, um, over periods of time can disrupt these subtle electrical systems within your body and can over a long term exposure continuous exposure can cause all sorts of neurological diseases that word again neurological illnesses such as uh, you know can break down the myelin sheaths on the nerves and cause uh, things like multiple sclerosis that's just one of the things i mean that can be caused by a chemical attack as well. But EMFs can cause that sort of thing. Or even uh, headaches, you know, you might have a series of headaches and wonder why you keep getting headaches. It could be something that's emitting a particular frequency in your house or where you sat, and you'd be able to find where that is and move things around. And, uh, you know, uh, it it's at least gives you the chance to make the best of your environment from a, an EMF point of view. Otherwise, you're working blind. You've no idea what you're being subjected to and, and what you can do about it because you can't eliminate it. I know people, um, there's lots of advertisements, shall we say, for bits of equipment that's supposed to uh, mitigate EMFs in the home. I can honestly say I haven't found any of them that I would, bearing in mind that I'm, I am an electrical engineer, I haven't found any of them that I would trust to do that. You know, they uh, technically don't make sense. Um, uh, not least of which is if they were so successful at mitigating the output from the electrical device, such as your phone, then it would stop your phone working. You know, it would neither receive or transmit signals if it was successful. Um, you know, so you can't have it both ways. Um, so, yeah, it's I've not come across anything that's uh, without going to huge expenses, you know, you'd end up almost making your house a Faraday cage, which is uh, quite impractical as well as being so very expensive. And even then, of course, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be able to receive any signals coming in or transmit any signals going out. And you also don't want to cut yourself off from the, the Earth's natural frequency, which is about eight hertz, you know, and that's very important to human beings. And that's why, as Dawn said earlier, you know, grounding yourself uh, daily, you know, get out on the lawn or in the garden in your bare feet and ground yourself for a little bit. Discharges, we've measured this, Dawn and I, with meters to measure just what sort of a, an electrical buildup there is on your whole body, uh, which you can discharge by grounding yourself, which is earthing yourself. And it will discharge that. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, something to be recommended. Again, simple things, doesn't cost any money, uh, but it's just simple ways to look after your health and improve your health. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. And that's uh, quite logical. And I've said that about your book as well. When you actually go through it, um, it's quite logical and it makes the penny drop straight away the way you've actually worded it in your book. A lot of the different chapters they actually talk about as well. So um, I'll, I could pass way more stuff, but I'll pass it to Hartnett. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's a really honor to talk to you because um, I worked many years ago in dowsing and as electrosmog consultant. And um, what you what you talk about is one hundred percent what I also made the experience in. Yeah. And uh, the only I want to comment something. The only remedy what I found is a net with silver in. And then you have to put it around the bed, but not on the ground because you need the grounding. But it costs a lot of money. But uh, yes. this is a 5G net, and then you have no, uh, you have no connection to your mobile phone within the net when you lie in the bed. And then the body can really repair it. Um, um, this, what I really f um, appreciate is also your disco discovery concerning uh, HIV, because. The HIV, uh, the whole thing, is um, it's a déjà vu like now, yeah. Because um, Jane Burgermeister, she was a uh, Austrian Irish journalist. She found out that in Africa, uh, the the children and the people were got vaccinated at first, and then they got a Lisa test, and then they got HIV because they had increased the antibodies. Because of the HIV, because of the because of the vaccination, and so they sold all the the drugs to the Africans. Yeah, this was um, and and in Germany and France, we are the founder of the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry. We took uh, the nitrogen in the, in the during the First World War and built bombs. Then we took two nitrogens. We took uh, in order to make the chemical the chemical therapy, which is an azo compound compound. And then the three nitrogen um, particles, which became the acido compound, and which is the basis for the AIDS drugs. So the whole time, it is only, it is, was never about diseases. It was only about the drugs and the selling of the drugs. And if I may say this, a genocide. Yes. And, yes. Um, and the situation like is no. we are facing the same situation like in the 1930s. And also that, for example, the, the Max Planck Institute found out in, uh, that uh, there is uh, there is a protein which can, which is the garbage disposal and which can put the coronavirus, which is garbage, out of the body. Everything is known, but the problem is the remedy, the vaccination, and probably also the PCR test, because if the PCR test doesn't work at all, there must be something else, what we don't know, what they don't talk about. And um, and as an mRNA vaccination can become, can get, we can get an mRNA vaccination by a mucous membrane. Maybe there is something, maybe not, we don't know it so far. But the problem is, if someone gets the vaccination already, or if, for example, if someone is already tested, and has, let's say, he has this poison in question mark in the body. What can he do? 
Well, if if you're referring to the, let, let me just reiterate that um, the the poison it can only be that a poison, a toxin of some sort. You know, no one is getting ill from a germ, whether you want to call it a bacteria or a virus. I must stress that point because no one is getting. I know there are some people and uh, uh, seem to think that uh, there is a germ, but it's not as serious. I mean, Dolores Carhill is one of them. She believes in viruses and she believes that there is one, there is a coronavirus, but it's not as bad as the authorities say. Okay, that's her stance on it, which is nonsense. You know, we say you're going to have to prove that because there is no proof. So if someone is getting ill, then it's for some, always for some other reason. Now, the vaccines, these, whatever they are, whether it's AstraZeneca, or Pfizer or anyone else's are toxic. All vaccines are toxic. And there is never, and we've looked at the whole history of them, right from when they were first <laughs> uh, thought about, invented and have been used. And we've looked at the history of vaccinations. And they have never ever, choose what the medical establishment says, they have never been responsible for uh, giving immunity or preventing disease. But the records show they have always been responsible for increasing illness and death and this is whether it's been smallpox or polio uh, and with polio was a prime example where even the vaccine inventor Jonas Salk had to admit that his vaccine was actually causing the incidence of so-called polio the paralysis when what when in our investigations had shown that it was because uh, we're looking back in the 1940s and 50s now when there was the so-called polio uh, epidemics uh, and it was DDT because that was the um, insecticide of the day. And again, it's a neurotoxin, a very deadly neurotoxin. And that was what was being sprayed on the crops at the time. Because again, the government and medical establishment thought it was the most wonderful thing. Uh, you could even get uh, DDT impregnated wallpaper because at one time they thought that um, it was flies that were carrying uh, the polio disease uh, so they encourage people to have this uh, DDT impregnated wallpaper to kill the flies you know they'd spray school children clothes and things with it um, <clears throat> school children would follow the sprayers in the fields because it has quite a sweet smell to it um, so it smelled quite nice but it was actually deadly um, but now they realize that all too late of course but then um, so they move on to something else and don't tell people what was actually going off. But places like India, where there are still incidences of so-called polio, is because they still use DDT. Um, so, you know, again, there was no germ involved uh, and the vaccinations were actually causing the paralysis that they were supposed to prevent. So in all these cases, again and again, we've never, ever found any disease or illness that's caused by a germ but plenty of evidence that they're caused by toxins and we looked at this with animals as well and we talk in the book about the uh, so-called mad cow disease which again was a not caused by a germ it's caused by a neurotoxin uh, that the cows were the ministry the government in England were asking the farmers to dip their cows in to protect them against uh, warble fly and this organophosphate that they were using at four times the strength that was being used anywhere else 
was what was poisoning the cows, attacking their nervous system and giving them the appearance of going mad because they lost all control of their limbs. Uh, but they tried to blame it on a disease and thousands upon thousands of cattle were destroyed in the UK, all based on a fallacy and a mistake by the government and the ministry. And tragic as that was, but the same thing they do to people. And um, and so it goes on. The as Over the 10 years of our research, although we didn't set out to do this, but we realised that the medical establishment is in its ignorance and poor training and vested interests by the pharmaceutical company is responsible for more deaths around the world than any wars that have been fought ever. Um, and I often, quote, I often quote Napoleon, who actually said to his physician, he said that one day it will be seen that you physicians are responsible for more deaths than all those generals put together and never a true word was spoken. And they they are guilty of the deaths of millions. And this, I, I find it very difficult not to get very angry about this because of their ignorance and their stupidity and their reluctance to listen to any debate that's put out that's contrary to their fixed beliefs. And they won't even look at the science. You know, it's there and plain to see. They don't have to just take Dawn and I's word for it. They can look for themselves. And so it makes me very angry when they don't do that. And meanwhile, people are dying and at the very least are becoming seriously ill. But they're dying and they're committing generations into the future to ill health and death because of their stupidity and vested interests. And I, I have a job to contain my anger at times um, because of this. <clears throat> I see. Yes, thank you. And that's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it is like that. And because of, of the history of Germany, for example, all the, let's say, the captains of the pharmaceutical industry of IG Farben during the Third Reich, they only were in prison for seven years or eight years, and then they became uh, the captains of the of the of the new pharmaceutical industry again. So the situation yeah. is there are people who want to have this direction. Yeah. Yes. No, I was just going to say that the whole medical model is built on warfare. Uh, so it's not surprising that an awful lot of the compounds that they use uh, in their sort of so-called pharmaceuticals develop from um, weapons. Um, so, you know, the military and the medical, uh, well, the chemical industry certainly work very, very closely together. Uh, and again, even back at the, I think, the end of the 19th century, that um, even some of the dyes that were being developed um, through, I think it was the German um, chemical industry that were developing various um, dyes and they're all... Um, poison, yes. Yes, Mercury, poison. Yes. Um, um, but then, you know, they're, <laughs> then they're used in all kinds of everyday products, even sort of dyes, uh, dyes that are used for... Um, uh, pharmaceuticals so the the kind of you know colorings and different things so the whole pharmaceutical industry is, is based on the same model of of warfare so it's you know fighting whatever this disease is um uh, and as david said you know quite clearly there are no diseases there are only conditions but those conditions are developed within the body it's not something that attacks you that you then have to fight back it, it's completely wrong but it, it obviously works because then the pharmaceutical industry can develop their products to you know fight the the, the disease entities um it's but they're fighting, business model. They're you know, fighting it's, it's a very successful business model 
Yeah, yeah but yeah. they're fighting invisible en enemies. You know that they, they, you know, there is no disease entity. So uh, that's the mindset that has to change. You know that there aren't diseases that attack us. There are conditions that we develop in the body, but mm. you can actually take responsibility and control over that. Not completely. You can't fight everything. And obviously with the 5G and everything that's going on in the external environment, but you can kind of mitigate their effects by really taking control over what, what you can put in and on your body. I mean, we have two, two main elements to what's going off at the moment. As Dawn has said, I mean, the, the uh, whole health industry uh, which ties together the chemical, pharmaceutical and petrochemical. They're all, it's an evil trinity, if you like. Um, and it's a brilliant business model for making money. So that's the one thing, you know, you create an ever, a never ending list of customers, you know, because you give them things that will continuously make them ill, which you can then give them more things <laughs> to continue to keep them ill. So that's one thing. It's a great business model an evil business model, but makes has made them billions. But the other thing is, of course, which we've got this other element, which we're seeing come really into four now with this coronavirus pandemic, is, you know, the end game is in sight for them, you know, because it's the control of the people that they're looking to do. And this is what they're doing. This is the first time they've been able to do this. Again, with a fictitious pathogen, a fictitious virus, that they even openly admit when they're challenged under the Freedom of Information Act, we have the letters that they don't have any evidence to prove that this pathogenic virus exists. They admit it. So they're quite blatant about it and still carry on doing it. So it shows what contempt they have for humanity. Uh, it's almost like a shrug of the shoulders and think, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, we have all the money. We have all the guns. We have all the power. So what are you going to do? Well, people need to wake up and do something while they still can. Because this is this is their end game now. It's to get full control of the people. They have all the money under their control. They have all the world resources under their control. But they don't yet have all the people under their control. And that's what they're going for now. And the facts, this poisonous vaccination program that they're running out around the world is is part of that agenda. I have no doubt. You know, there has never been any vaccination that's been shown, proved to be safe and effective. Not one. And we've looked at them all for the diseases so far. And this one's not going to be any different. You know, even even the manufacturers openly admit that they don't know what the short or long term effects of this so-called vaccination or jab, as they're causing it now, because technically it's not a vaccination. Um, even they don't know. And as I say, recommend people look on their websites. It's it's still a trial. It's under trial. And instead of them doing it privately with volunteers, they're using the whole world public as guinea pigs, which is not only outrageous, it's actually criminal. And these people should be locked away forever. <laughs> and yes. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that one day in the very near future that we see that start to happen. I know there's uh, several court cases going on around the world. Um so I'm I'm very hopeful that uh, we can bring about those changes. So I know it's a lot of doom and gloom at the moment, but at least with the information that we're giving out, people can at least get rid of the fear that they, as Dawn said earlier, they can get rid of the fear that they're going to be attacked by some virus and be made ill or die. That's not going to happen because it doesn't exist, you know. Um, 
but also they need to wake up and realize they have to do something. You know, they have to stop acquiescing and wearing masks and social distancing and not seeing their loved ones and not hugging their parents. They've got to stop this. It's absolute nonsense and is very detrimental on a mental, emotional level. You know, people are social animals and to keep them apart and to mask them and gag them in the way they're doing. This isn't by accident. This is, you know, places like the Tavistock Institute in London and others. This is what they do. They scheme these things. It's social engineering and people, you know, this is not conspiracy theories. This is what they do. They exist. And I hope that the people listening to this will do a little bit of research themselves. Yes, buy our book. There's plenty of information in there, but do some research. We're not making this stuff up and we have very little time to start to make some very drastic changes and stop these people. Uh, monsters, really. Let's give them the proper name. They stop these monsters from carrying out this agenda, which they are doing and they will continue to do it unless we stop them. There's only the people are going to stop them. Governments won't. They're part of the problem. They're not part of the solution. Yes. Thank you so much. Before I, before I give to Grace, I want to comment something. This was very interesting because, for example, here in Germany, we had an article about the PCR tests and we call it the Asian success story. And we have, for example, Taiwan, Singapore, Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, and Thailand. And these countries, they have made PCR tests between 200,000 and, let's say, 9 million PCR tests. And uh, the death rate is between 10 and 10,000. That's it. Yeah. And in Germany, because in Germany it is so, for example, if you have a demonstration here for 70 people, the police cars drive like there was a suit, they were murderer of many people. They are driving so fast. And we in Germany, we have 48 million PCR tests made in one year. 48 million. And we have a death rate of 76,000, 70, of course, because of the false, positive false. Yeah. But this is how crazy the world is at the moment. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I give to Grace. That's okay. I, I would like to just make one point on there for, for everyone. Of course, uh, because there's always a lot of talk in the media about death rates of, uh, from this so called uh, virus. Uh, let me assure you, there are no deaths. There are no deaths. They can't, you can't die from something that's never been proved to exist. So these figures of false are now, it's very easy to falsify figures. Now, I don't know how widespread this is around the world, but certainly in the UK, from when this fake pandemic was first announced, the government, UK government, banned all autopsies on COVID deaths. Okay? And yeah. you've got to ask yourself, why, did it, why would you do that? Well, it's very simple. You can make... You can put down anything on a death certificate and say this person's died of COVID, knowing full well there's not going to be any no autopsy, so you don't actually know what that person's died of. So you can put anything you like, and that just shows the complicity and the corruption at government level, at the highest possible levels of how they're concealing their this conspiracy, this tyranny, this treachery. You know, yes. to ban autopsies. You know, I mean. Never been heard of before, but that's what they've done. And I think they've done it in other countries too. So there are no deaths from COVID. And I would challenge anybody to prove someone has died of COVID. Not one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure.
Hi, David and uh, Dawn. <laughs> Thank you so much. And what I wanted to do is share with you some comments and questions from the audience because this uh, live stream is really meant for those who will be engaged with us. So it's very important. I, I'll, I'll make my comment or, you know, if we have time. Um, so one of them says, uh, the combination of Wi-Fi and the EMF from your home, electrical wiring has a compounded effect. And he said, and there's another one who says, oh, might also, they, they're your followers as well, okay? And they're following you. And they're even saying, why is this not being shown or a lot of people are viewing it? So I said, we do our part and we let the source take it over. So however, it is shared. And the, the caveman never had any vaccine. And look, we're all here. And that made me smile. <laughs> okay. And someone asked, he said, what do you make of what Mike Yeeran is saying? Are you familiar with him? Mike Yeeran, Y-E-A-D-O-N. Yeah, I know the name and I've seen he said something recently, but I'm afraid um, I haven't been able to sort of read it or listen to it. Sorry. Uh, th there's just so much information coming out uh, it's almost impossible to to kind of cover all of it um and because so much of it is misinformation that we really try not to kind of look at every single thing in in depth so um but i mean if if they want to say if somebody knows what mike yeadon has, has actually said if, if he's made a particular point oh does anyone no. know what what no. he's made, point he's made no, let's see if uh, that person will type right back. And someone said, uh, that, uh, why isn't truth as strong as the influence of finance? Then well, it is. It, if I could just answer that briefly, truth will always come to the forefront, always. And as it is doing, you know, we, we have a fantastic opportunity now to bring truth out I mean, when Don and I released this book in at Christmas in 2019, no one had heard of coronavirus. We hadn't. <laughs> and no sooner had our book come out than it was coronavirus was launched on the world. Um, so it was very fortuitous, as people have said to us, very fortuitous your book was released just as this. And I said, well, yeah, if you believe in coincidences, but we don't believe in coincidences. So there's something going on at another level, you know, um, and uh, so I'm very optimistic. You know, it, this is this crisis that's been manufactured by these monsters that are in control is going to backfire on them. And it's already started to do it because through uh, websites like this one and others, uh, it's brought more and more people together. We know from the people that contact us and the people that buy the book and the viewing figures that we see on the various podcasts, we're talking when you add them all together just for us it's hundreds of thousands you know just in people looking at our stuff what we're talking about today um so that's going off all over the world so we you know it can soon build into millions so although the mainstream media wouldn't have you believe that all of these people are, are awake of, of awoken they'd rather you think that you're on your own and that you're just a conspiracy theorist a, a nutcase but that's not the case 
there are millions and millions of people worldwide that are now getting active and are pushing back. So don't give up hope, but you do need to get involved. You know, we're not talking about anything violent, but just stop acquiescing. Speak your truth as we're doing now. You know, don't hold back. Speak your truth. And that in itself will bring about uh, a mindset change. You know, don't let people get away with talking nonsense and fear mongering, whoever they are. Well, that's perfect advice. And then someone said the body produces solvents, not viruses, to clean up toxins. Well, we wouldn't class them as, I know some people have referred to these so-called viruses as being a solvent. Well, we've that's not been what our research has shown. As I say, the research that we've shown, uh, looked at over the 10 years uh, and in discussion with others as well, it's not just us, of course, we, um, they, these particles are, can only be looked on as, um, as I say, tissue debris, cellular debris. They're not a solvent as such. They don't serve um, a purpose in uh, the, the, it's the bacteria in the body that are the cleanup mechanisms and they are pleomorphic. So they modify themselves to dependent upon the toxin that they're handling. You know, um, I say it's a more complex subject, but we do talk about it. Pleomorphism is the ability to change shape and character and uh, that's what bacteria can do. Uh, and that's what they do do because they're the body's natural cleanup system. Uh, the so-called viral particles are just debris. You know, I know people have put all sorts of other names on some of these particles, which could be exosomes. That used to be quite a favorite thing. But there's no actual scientific evidence that any of these particles are any more than debris, which the body will flush out because cells die and break down in their millions every day and that debris has to go somewhere and that's what people see under electron microscopes but then have misunderstood what they're looking at because then when they take those bits and pieces as we said earlier put them in a petri dish and make all sorts of assumptions about them with no scientific proof to back anything they say uh, up so it's uh, just think of them as that the particles are just debris the cleanup mechanism are bacteria and there is no invading agents of any sort that attack the body. Only poisons, not bacterial virus, not germs. They're not involved in disease at all. And one more says, not to mention there are nanofibers in the masks. Well, yes, I mean, masks, are, there's nothing good about them, you know. I mean, even if there was, as I've said to people, even if there was, these so-called pathogenic viral particles floating about, which are so tiny, they would go straight through the masks anyway. And if they didn't go through the masks, they go, they could enter through your eyes. They're so tiny. Um, but there aren't any, <laughs> there aren't any of these things. So don't get me wrong. So the masks were never any good, even if there was a virus particle about. They're completely useless. But then that's not their aim. Their aim by these people that have, have put them into force is Masking people, you know, is is separating people, is hiding the human contact. You know, as human beings, we read facial expressions. It's very important to us, especially for children. You know, as they're growing up, they read expressions. And now what do they see? They see everyone with masks on. They just see a pair of eyes. They can't read expressions. Mentally, it's very damaging. 
and you know speaking to some psychiatrists they they know how damaging this is particularly for young children even breastfeeding mothers i've seen to be advised to wear a mask whilst breastfeeding their baby criminal absolutely criminal can you imagine what's going to happen to that child you know as it's trying to read its mother's expressions and learn and it's just seen this masked something you know diabolical it is diabolical what's being done and must be stopped people have just got to stop acquiescing to it really <laughs> i believe we're all born for these times because we cannot agree more in what you're saying and what you've done and personally uh, that's really all your four factors or four components to make one healthy that's what i have known and i have lived that way when i was still young much younger in the philippines so when i first heard about um declaring it as pandemic um i never really believed that and i for one always take full responsibility for everything in my life i, I don't want to pinpoint to others although we know what the government does and etc but one thing is how how i will survive and thrive in everything is how how, how i will respond to everything and anything in life so thank you very much and i'm going to pass it on to steve and i i just hope you come back next time and steve will close up and say more the last few words <laughs> okay wow what a show. Yeah, just to surmise, um, with what's going on with CV-19, your four tenants that create disease are stress, and we have more stress than you can bat an eye out, lack of nutrition, people aren't eating well, uh, they're not exercising, uh, poisoning, uh, toxicity from lack of oxygen, you're breathing in your own bacteria, um, and uh, the last thing is... I forget the fourth tenant, but it meets all four, you EMFs. know, like a slam EMFs yeah. and the 5G, which is probably the most important. Uh, we're electric beings. And so out of your four tenants for disease or for illness, it's it's off the charts for each one. And, yeah. you know, and just to quickly surmise as well that polio unilaterally, I'm saying this because we're we don't have time, but, you know, polio was. We was caused by the poisoning of DDT, and it stopped when they stopped using it. Um, you know, uh, HIV, the poppers and the drugs that were being used, uh, uh, you know, mad, mad cows, organophosphate washed on the, on, the, on the backs of the cows, right on their spinal column, uh, right into their spinal column. And it was, you know, there was no more mad cows after organophosphate wasn't used to wash cows. So we've covered a lot. I really, really appreciate all your uh, words. Um, if you do, you guys want to have any closing statements on what you would like to, uh, you know, finish off with? Only to say, get yourself informed. The information is there. There is no disease agents. There's no virus. Do not be afraid. Take back your power. Stop acquiescing to the stupid, useless rules, which are very dangerous. Uh, I'm not asking you to stop being violent, <laughs> tempting as it can be sometimes with this stupidity. But, you know, don't give in. We're in a great time. You know, we, as Grace said earlier, we're all here for a reason. This is the first time in human history that we know of <laughs> um, that we've 
got a point where we can see the corruption and evil doing, if you like, of the people who are in charge. The go- whether it's the governments or just puppets, it's the people, the international bankers. We know who these people are: the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and such like, who control all the central banks, who are putting this program together and have been planning it for a long, long time. And this is the closest they've come to being able to fulfil their plan. But it's also the closest we've come as humanity to being able to see what their plan is and we can see them and we can see what they do if we use our eyes to look and our brains to think about it and so we can do something about it now and we're in that time this is as i said is an end game and we want it to be an end game for them to end their corruption not for us you know we have our future generations children and grandchildren to think about and we need to change it now otherwise it will be ruined for them in generations to come so find some little way to do something even if it's just throwing your mask away and refusing to wear it or stop your social distancing go and hug your relatives you know uh don't be afraid we can win this we have to wow well thanks very much um where can everyone reach you and you know your book's unbelievable it's very readable i have the e-version and I'm, I got into a rhythm with it, um, but I do suggest buying the, 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 the real book. It's just hard to get. Well, I'm in Asia and they didn't ship it here. So yeah. just you want to explain where they can reach you, where they can buy your book? Yeah, well, I, I'd recommend people go to our website uh, at uh, whatreallymakesyouill.com. Nice and easy to remember. Um, there's, you know, we write articles and put on there. So there's, there's all our videos. This one will be up there. So people can get a lot of free information. They can listen to stuff and it will help them to understand. Uh, obviously, it's nice if they buy a book because that helps us to keep going. Um, yes, they can get it from Amazon. I know a lot of people don't like Amazon, uh, but you can get it from a lot of online booksellers. Uh, we often recommend uh, like the book depository, mainly because they deliver to a lot more places than Amazon because uh, they would deliver to like South Africa and places where Amazon don't deliver. So you may find that they will deliver out into Asia as well. Um, so there are online booksellers where you can get it. Or, as you, you say, Steve, you can get uh, the download version of it, the electronic copy, which is instant. I mean, yes, it's also cheaper. Um, so you can get it instantly. So you can get that anywhere in the world. Um, but, but again, um, you, you have to go to Amazon for that. We don't sell directly from our website. We, we don't have the facilities to do that all the time <laughs> to handle it all okay okay well thanks again uh next week uh, i think we have greg wrightstone on the co2 coalition part two and uh, we'd like to thank everyone for listening and especially uh david and dawn for being here and this is incredible knowledge and the last thing i want to say is that everyone makes a difference just in your thoughts uh especially in your actions and the, the moment that you start to see that all you're hearing is two plus two equals five and you start to question two plus two equals five, that's the moment they start to lose you. So stop accepting two plus two equals five. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well,